minus three. With Dave Damashek. All right, little more than a week away from Super Bowl 56. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. We're ready to roll. Make sure you're playing along with us and against us. Go to extrapoints.com slash arcade. All sorts of fun games to play with Cousin Sal and everybody else at the Extra Points Network. On down, of course, most importantly, is that you bet, bet along with your pals here on Minus Three. This is how you do it. You go to FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash minus three. The promo code is important. You use it. It's the word minus. The It's the number three. And immodestly or otherwise, I will say, if you've been listening to our advice, low these many months, you're probably deep in the black right now. A lot of greenbacks flowing your way if you're listening to us. If you want to fade us, that's your business. Go ahead and do that. Super Bowl right now. The LA Rams are laying four and a half. They're the home team ostensibly, but uh, they're wearing their road white uniforms. And let's get into some of our best bets there. Tom Brady's retirement, Brian Flores, what it means for pro football and beyond with Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. And there he is from one of his many manses in Southern California. It's Tom Brady lover, I guess. Tor- a scored a scored lover. No thank you to Kevin Hench. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, a lot, you know, obviously a lot going on in the NFL. Um, mm. You know, I'm sure Roger Goodell's crack-a-lacking on the cover-up. I mean, investigation as we speak. You know, uh, by the way. No merit. I mean, like three minutes. No, no merit. No merit to this, but Whoa, then the later, oh, that- people care. People care. All right, we're going to investigate yeah. this. Oh, wow. You read that You read that 58-page filing fast to get to your no merit. By the way, I know Roger Goodell is Bill Barr for 32 Trumps, right? I mean, he's it, it, Roger Goodell it constantly has to bury stuff, cover up. He has to tell Beth Wilkinson, oh, uh, n- no written report. You can't do a written report on Dan Snyder. Are you fucking crazy? That's just going to be a conversation, uh, and then we'll we'll come up with we'll do the least amount possible because I work for these guys; they're my boss. That you know, it is. Barry Crimmins had this line uh, twenty years ago. That's like asking Skittles to investigate tooth decay. Like what? Roger Goodell is obviously in on it. He's part of the. He's the fixer. He's George Clooney in Michael Clayton. Hey, uh, Roger, we got another little thing we're going to have to ask you to clean up here. And uh, but, you know, so this one, like they don't even know how to do a cover up. It's like, of course, you can't say no merit. You you have to pretend that you give a shit. And it's so funny that that I just saw that New York Post thing about Snyder. Obviously, the you know. The, the aggrieved don't feel like they got justice from the NFL investigation of Snyder. And by the way, how does it work? Like, do the other owners give him permission to electrocute Jerry Richardson? But like, but they all received the topless photos from Dan Snyder. So they can't, they, they can't tell Goodell, like make Snyder walk the plank. Cause I emailed him, you know, I said, he emailed me the topless photos and then I, said they look great so i can't like how does it even work but it's just like it's it is it is there is something fishy that inconsistency because it's easy to say to to go more cynical as i would and probably already have this week 
by saying like, well, yeah, of course, the owners are going to circle the wagons and protect their own and they're in a position to do it. Um, I mean, of course, you're, you're uh, you know, you're naive if you think stuff like together, you know, together. I mean, what, what are all the things that we saw in the end zone that, you know, painted onto the end zones yeah. as though that I mean, these are taglines. These are not uh, the, these octogenarian white bi- billionaires are not really you know, walking the walk day in and day out, obviously you, you already knew that, but I mean, it it is hard to sort of Tom Brady retires and Washington comes out with a terrible new name and even worse uniforms and the Broncos are for sale and Flores puts his stink on, doesn't put his stink, but you know, basically levels to three different degrees, three different franchises. And there's a Super Bowl going on, by the way, that nobody's paying any attention to. It's too much. It's too much to react to. So where do we go? Do we want to just do, do, do – let's talk about Tom Brady. Let's let's go there because you are the resident Patriots fan, the resident Boston sports fan. So let's, let's go with that, and we can genuflect if you want. I think that, you know, the, the initial reaction over the last few days here – has been to anoint Tom Brady rightly as not just the greatest pro football player in North American sports history, but the greatest team sports athlete of all time. And, you know, I like to rank things and it occurs to me that suddenly, you know, I've, I've done periodically over the last, you know, 25 years, whether people ask me to or not, I like to rank, you know, quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era kind of stuff. And all of a sudden it feels like you must impose a line underneath Montana. Brady one, Montana two, and then there's a drop off. We can debate Marino versus Farr versus Alway versus Peyton versus whoever else, but there's a clear division one, one A, and then a drop off to three. So, so we can dispense with that chatter, I think, unless you want to weigh in and add something to that. And and how does how do you feel now that it's all done there, Hench? Two years down in Tampa, away from your brand, your beloved Patriots brand. And barely, barely a note of thanks to the Patriots and Belichick. How say you? I like the idea, you know, I mean, and obviously, you know, I'm a mass hole, so I can make fun of us. But like, it's like this idea that he still owed us something. Like, what the fuck? Like, I, I got, you know what I wanted from Brady? I got it. Everything <laughs> I wanted from Brady, everything he owed me, like it paid in full. This idea, I wasn't like, you know what, I'm going to reserve judgment about how I feel about the greatest uh, professional athlete of all time until I see the Instagram post. I'm going to I'm going to keep my powder dry like people are pissed. Who gives a shit? Who gives fucking shit about Instagram? Like I saw the games. I saw the passes. I saw the throws. I saw the comebacks like the guy walks on water unless he's hammered. Um, and, uh, and he can do no wrong. I don't, I don't, he doesn't need to thank me or Mr. Kraft or Mr. Belichick. I don't give a shit. I I don't even, who cares? Like it doesn't hurt your feelings though. And believe me, we had on earlier in the week on minus three on what I consider to be a gangbusters. If you like football history and NFL films and their great work, did a deep dive with one of the, uh, one of the main guys over at NFL films, our pal Keith Cosro on his new documentary about Terry Bradshaw. And of course, Noel and Bradshaw didn't get along. And do you find that problematic from the standpoint of like, Siskel and Ebert, didn't it hurt you a little bit when you found out those two hated each other? 
all their lives. I didn't bother you. Like, but wait, I believe that they were pally. The, the, uh, nary a concern for you. I mean, if if you were having them both over for dinner, it would become problematic. But like, I don't care. I don't really care what Tom Brady actually feels about Bill Belichick. I don't know. I I feel like we we maxed out on the uh, on the Super Bowls and uh, and and quite frankly, he wasn't going to win the seventh in New England. That that not as as that roster was constituted. So uh, um, I was a little bummed. Uh, this was a tiny little detail in the social media flurry, but when the Patriots send their did their little. Hey man, you're going off into the sunset on your boat. They put the seventh trophy in the boat in the in the image. Like mm. that's your Ray Bork. That's Thirsty. your Ray Bork raising the cup. Like Bruins Nation, we did it. Ray Bork's raising the cup. Not- do you think that comes from? Do you think that comes from the them being raw? Boston as a sports town is raw. That the L.A. Lakers in their arena hang banners from Minneapolis. I think that stinks too. You have nothing to do with that. They'll be hanging Minneapolis Lakers banners in LA. Well, they need to hang those banners to explain why they have this fucked up name. What? I see. I see. That makes Lakers? Sense. That checks out. <laughs> Los okay. Angeles Lakers. Bunch of questions. One. Okay. I know you don't. You're the last person to ask about this because you inexplicably stare at sports as much as anybody I know, including myself, and yet have no opinion. Like cool guy cousin Sal, you you have no opinion about uniform. How can you stare at them? You have it, good, bad, otherwise they they make no impact. They have, I have no opinion. People who have opinions about every goddamn thing, whether anybody wants to hear them or not, you have opinions. That will go for hours on end, but you have no opinion on uniforms. But with the Brady era now officially now in the rearview mirror, do you think it's time to go back to Pat Patriot and do away and leave Flying Elvis alone to the Tom Brady era and let it stand on its own merit and then now go back to the red with the white hat? Or do you just say, I don't give a good goddamn? Well, it's funny because I don't give a good goddamn about what you just brought up, but I mm. thought you were... I thought you were steering it in a in it to an area where I was going to delight you. I was oh. going to I was going to finally make you happy after these many decades. Those Washington Commanders uniforms are so bad that they actually got my attention. Like this is what you've you've wanted. Yes. You've wanted. I, I think it was Morgan Murphy who tweeted back at you that they have a mid major feel about them, like mid major. <laughs> Yeah, and then our pal Christian Anderson, who uh, then tweeted at me, yeah, they're the Chippewas of of CMU. And I looked them, I'm like, oh, that is what I'm thinking of. And I look them up, and they are spot on. They are exactly like the Chippewas of mid-major CMU. Somebody forgot to do the designs and had a big What the hell happened there? For for real, uh, what happened? Like two years, and then it was really like, oh, to – Today, we have to have them today. Okay. Quick, quick, get something like, but wait, wait, you, hey, hey, Bert, you can't go out there with those. They, they don't have any stripes. Too late. Just get so, them out there. We got to have something on. And Redskin fans, I mean, sorry, uh, football team fans, sorry, commando Tommy. fans, commander fans, commie fans. I mean, talk about a fan base that had it good and has just been f- so horribly fucked now. And, have you ever like you talk 
to commander fans and they so desperately want their owner excommunicated. They're like, we'll never get out of this nightmare until this guy is gone. So they're actively rooting for him to go down. Only he's protected by the commish and can't go down. So they're stuck in this nightmare, which just got so much worse with both a terrible name and a terrible uniform. Like it's, it's really, I mean, I say guardians is looking pretty good today. (laughs) I got to reevaluate Guardians Sounds good. Well, the, 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 maybe the best thing, like I say is, you know, our mutual pal Corolla brings up and, 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 you know, politically incorrect or otherwise you, you know, when 9-11 happened, the the victor of that was Anne Heche, because Anne Heche, the in the days prior to that, went on one of the news shows, one of the national news shows, and um, reported on her recent conversation with an alien in which she somehow magically knew how to speak alien to the alien. This is Anne Heche, who at the time was, you know, an A-list actor and getting hired for stuff and she went on tv and she spoke the alien that she spoke and it's very hard to find it online even like i said to them but then the commander or whatever the the leader and this went on and it was like that would have been it but but then that happened and we all got distracted with that as it happens i don't know that ann hache has ever done anything since then but anyhow yes i wonder if all this flora stuff has now made it like well how are we going to handle the dan snyder stuff and also deal with steven ross and deal what's going on with john elway showing up loaded and stuff and the 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 uh, giants and all the rest of it. it's kind of a perfect storm right because you what brian flores is alleging is you know there there is a uh you know, sort of a, a conspiracy of bad guys that keeps this system perpetuating. And then <laughs> then these these young women go, oh, yeah, Dan Snyder is a terrible guy for sure. And then, you know, Stephen Ross, it's like, OK, well, uh, was Tom Brady on the boat or not? Like, is he lying like this? This feels like uh, maybe provable. Like, did you have has Tom Brady ever been on your yacht? You know, if it was, if, if the, as reported, the high profile quarterback was Tom Brady. I mean, I just, Flores's accusations are so specific that they're not the kind of thing you craft in an angry afternoon. He's obviously been sitting on these things, stewing, and the, and the fuse was lit um, by, you know, the real bad news is that uh, my favorite football team's coach is apparently senile. That's, that's great news for, <laughs> For Patriot fans. <laughs> hey, buddy, congratulations. No, I'm hearing it from everyone. I'm hearing it from everyone. Yeah, good job there, buddy. Like, oh, shit. I like I like that once again, though, a lot of people did their best to try and spin it as like, no, again, don't you see he's playing 4D chess on you again? He's doing this to screw the Giants. <laughs> what? What? No, he's just an old oh. fool. That's all. Uh, Straight yeah, line. Occam's razor, everybody. He's Belichick has to give his phone to his, his son Steve and have him just go through the whole phone and just change the contact names Black Brian, White Brian. Like, just the name. So it comes up. So it's like, Dad, this is never going to happen again. You'll know what race you're talking to 
when you <laughs> when you start texting. I mean, you know, but it's what's so crazy about it is, um, you know, like like the Scooby Doo kids, the the old rich monsters would have gotten away with it again. They would have gotten away with the ex post facto Rooney Rule interview, the box checking. Uh, they would have, you know, and it's like so now. I mean, the hilarious thing is like, who's going to investigate this? Roger fucking Goodell and Beth Wilkinson. Like how, how many cover-ups will, I mean, well, I guess we'll just laugh forever because we love football and we'll never not watch. So whatever. That's, what they know. That's the thing I keep pointing out when stuff like this happens, they are talking to a beholden jury, which is us that we, we are not inclined. Ultimately it's the same thing with like paying college kids. It's all, we, we as fans who are the consumer and paying money to watch these things and, and however we do it, whether it's live or on TV and stuff, are ultimately on board with them, which is like, just make sure the games keep happening. Like, don't, don't let uh, – well, I, I want justice, however, but I also don't want the games to end. Don't, however, please don't let these games end. If, if we, especially on a gambling podcast – if we start to believe that one of the teams isn't trying, <laughs> that is a major problem, especially if that not trying starts in September. Um, you know, and I think that the bridge coach thing is real, right? You've seen, hey, man, we're going to be terrible. Why don't we why don't we get credit? Why don't we why don't we hire this sacrificial lamb? And by the way, um, it's a little like a boxer taking a dive, right? It's like. Hey, we're going to need you to lose this one, and here's how much you're going to make. So, yes, you'll never be a head coach in the NFL again, but we're offering you this job now. You're going to get your best payday of all time. You'll probably slide back to coordinator status, but we're going to get credit for doing this this one mitzvah over here, and then and you're going to get paid, and then you're going to get fired, and then hopefully we will have compiled the draft picks uh, at your expense to build a winner, which we will then turn over to a white guy. All right, I let's mean, address that. Let's address the Dolphins thing, because then I want to talk Giants with Eddie Spaghetti, who's upset about the way does his Goodell franchise. Does Goodell call Beth Wilkinson? Like, does he go, hey, Beth, I got another job for you? Is, is she Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction? <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the bullshit is, like, as a lawyer in a court of law, she would be an officer of the court that couldn't just fucking engage in cover-ups, but as a bullshit uh, private company, like she's just hired to make the NFL look good. I mean, she probably didn't know that when she started typing up a written report. And Goodell was like, whoa, 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 no, no written report. And by the way, Beth, we're going to definitely not want a written report on, on Stephen Ross either. We're going to know, you know what? Give us your computers. We just just memorize these interviews and tell us what you found. Well, that's right. And it's a funny the the funny kind of paradox. Well, not funny, but is that people seem to misunderstand or they or they ascend to Mount Pius before they they allow uh, reasonable thought to enter their brains. It's not about morality for what the, the crime is not based on morality or what is in the. Uh, in the code of law in, in these United States, what's the worst thing that can happen to these professional sports leagues is the stink of the games being fixed or, or fraudulent on some level. And people get very worked up about it rightly 
from a moral standpoint about Brian Flores. I mean, he got humiliated. The chain of events that leads to him having an interview when when the uh, the verdict is already in and he's not going to get the job is an embarrassment for that guy. Um, from the league standpoint, the thing that is going to matter more going forward is is the potential sort of like you say. I think you have it exactly right. Uh, taking a dive. And people have now floated. But how do you really blow a game in football? You can't really. There's no there's no path to doing that. And people have floated, not surprisingly, since I'm from Pittsburgh, have said the Penguins tanked to get Mario Lemieux in 1984. And so, by the way, did the Devils. They both tried to throw games. But the way the Penguins did it, and by the way, I don't mind if you do this. It's a every single thing. fan has rooted for his team to lose. Sure, the but only to make clear, person, the only person that gets negatively impacted by tanking is the coach who gets fired. But there are two the different only- ways to do it. I mean, there—I I don't know. I'm sure you shaving points if you're a player who's possessing the ball in a five-man game. Um, that's one thing in basketball, but in football. Or, or hockey, as a for instance, what the Penguins did back in 1983 to make sure they got Lemieux was um, they traded away Randy Carlisle, their Nor- Norris Trophy winning defenseman, and Rick Kehoe suddenly had to get shut down for the year. Like he just, you know, wasn't sorry, Rick. We, you know, it's just you, your your health doesn't allow us to to let you to dress up for the game. And Michelle Dion got to shut you down too. You're our best goalie and, and Roberto Romano yet you're a rising star between the pipes too, but also you're, you're not going to be available for us either. And that's how you tank. You do it pregame ergo the disadvantage from a gambling standpoint or otherwise is clear to the opponent and to anybody who's going to wager on it. It's a different kind of stink when you're within the game. Now, exactly how Flores or otherwise does this when the owner's like, hey, make sure uh, our team doesn't have a great day out there today, coach. How exactly you enact that within the 60 minutes is murkier, but it is hard to say to a player. I'm sure Brian Flores, it doesn't involve like, hey, throw an interception here because no player in the NFL is going to do that because that's on tape and now your career is ruined for the sake of the the franchise that just wouldn't happen, the, the, but you can do things in advance. Like, Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick, why don't you uh, take a fall today? So you can't play. And we have no choice, but to go with Josh Rosen today, that didn't happen with the Dolphins. So it is curious if they actually did do anything. Well, to throw I, you know, obviously there's no, um, you know, throw an interception in the red zone, fumble the snap. There's none of that's going on. The insidious part is you're going to get fired. Like, if right. You're going to you're going to have a, a a couple of terrible seasons and then hopefully we filled the cupboard and now you're gone. Um, so the fix is baked in. Your roster is shitty. You're going to lose in the NFL. It's it's not tanking is almost the wrong word for it because you're yes. I mean, that that uh, Texans Titans game at the end of the year where the, the the Texans were buried and they mounted this furious comeback and almost knocked off the Titans, you know, that's that's what the 22 guys are going to do. You can't really it's not it's not like basketball like where it's it's actually very easy to not give a shit. Like in football you'll get killed. Like everyone has that's to right. be trying They're running heart. into each other. You um, can yeah, you go 70% then you get run into by somebody going 100%. So what's interesting in this case is, you know, if if it happened where it's like, hey, uh, 
you know, I, I was um, I grew up in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands from two to 11. And uh, my first job at 10 years old was working a concession stand at the drive in. And I was so nervous and I was so amped up to get everybody their popcorn and their Cokes and their beer and their candy bars. And I was just flying. I mean, you know, you know, you see me on the blue top. You know, my energy. The idea that Kevin Hench at 10 years old, high on weed in the Virgin Islands, selling out wieners to people. Yeah, is, I'm just, just a, I'm like, a, an image I'd love to have. I, I am uh, working furiously to get everybody everything they need. The <laughs> line is out the door. There's another feature starting. I got to get these people back to their cars. I'm 10. I'm just like, and I'm memorizing everybody's orders. And I'm- <laughs> child sticking, labor laws down there. Snickers, Milky Way, Three Musketeers, Twizzlers, Twizz. I got it, got it, got it. And this, <laughs> and this, uh, this St. Tomian guy named Carrie- Come, pulls me aside and he goes, don't kill yourself so hard. <laughs> and this was his wisdom, which is like, that's not really how we do it in the islands. Uh, I feel like that's what Stephen Ross, these guys are like, hey, this year you don't have to kill yourself so hard. Like we're not, this is not a year that we're looking to go seven and nine. Well, you know, we're looking more in the one and 15, two and 14 range. And so then Flores hears the, and again, I mean, obviously if the hundred grand a loss thing is in an email, I'm sure Greer will bail on Flores immediately uh, with the corroboration. But if there is any paper trail, you know, that's, uh, that would seem like a sell your franchise offense. Um, but I agree. I, that's my prediction. They're going to, there's going to, there's talk about a sacrificial lamb. But who is it then? I mean, is it Dan Snyder? Because now you're really because the the Broncos. I really wonder if they can say like we have too many vacancies to fill. We can't try to force Stephen Ross out because the Broncos. But I do think I. Uh, by the way, that's the solution, isn't it? When people talk about institutional racism, hiring a coach, which is basically a middle manager in pro football is not sufficient. What you need to do is require Goodell and the owners. We, we gotta, we gotta do this for our own sake. And that's what will force the change. It's not but, like this will be good for other people. It, this will be good for us because now we're in the crosshairs. They'll say like one of those ownership spots has to go to a, a person of color. now. Do you think uh, Goodell is on the phone with Oprah right now about the Broncos? You'd be a great, you'd be a great owner. You know, you like football. You're not a fan. You don't watch. Listen, uh, it would be great for us right now. We're gonna, we, we're gonna, the, the league is gonna subsidize the price of the Broncos. Uh, the problem is, and and you know, I, I watched Flores and his lawyers interviewed on Chris Hayes last night. You know, their their kind of their list of demands will never be met by 32 autocratic billionaires. Like, there's you can't tell someone. The whole point of being a billionaire is uh, I don't listen to anybody. There's no board of directors. I don't take That's orders right. from anybody. Exactly. Right. I'm like, yeah, your your police department has to have some representation. Your corporation has to have some representation. You, fucking these owners do whatever they want. I mean, that's that's it's it's funny. I was thinking like poor poor Eddie with his uh, spaghetti's got his Notre Dame hat on, but I was thinking my analogy is like. When they ask the archdiocese to look into, hey, we've heard some rumors. And the archdiocese goes, yeah, nothing to see here. Nothing. We got it. We're, we're cool. We're cool. And then. And no then, merit. 
the Boston Globe or the Philadelphia Inquirer go, you know what? We're going to, we're going to look around. We're going to look around. Um, hundred percent Pulitzer percentage, like hundred percent. If you want your paper to win the Pulitzer, just go investigate the Catholic church in your town. You're, you're golden. There's no way to, there's no way to lose. Same with, uh, reading billionaires emails. They're fucking scumbags. How the fuck do you think they got to be a billionaire? What, you think they're good guys? You think they're nice guys? Do you think they're fair guys? Like, it's like, no, they're monsters. And so uh, that's why Goodell has to dive on all these grenades. It's like, okay, and by the way, Gruden, you know, I just want the 650,000 emails. Now it's going to, now hopefully it'll be millions of emails. But like Gruden is seems like, hey, if I got capped for something that I said in an email, can I see all the emails? Can I take a look at the emails? Can my lawyers look at the emails? Can Brian Flores' lawyers look at the emails? Like it, it is, it's not going to be pretty when when these owners all uh, all weighed in on the topless cheerleaders. And like, by the way, Major League Baseball owners, they were openly talking about how we drive down free agency prices. Like that's they got crushed in the collusion. Like these guys definitely collude. That, like, you don't want to read their emails. So, you know, we have these, I mean, wanting to be a billionaire, a billionaire. It's like, it's, it is a self-selecting group of monsters. Yes. It's also, dollars. right. Oh, Logan Roy. Dollars. You probably want to spend some time with your kids now. Right. Logan oh, Roy makes it. No, no, no. Right. It's the only, it's, Logan Roy describes what I assume is the ethos of these billionaires uh, uh, repeatedly in the latest season, the succession. Like it's, this is the only thing that's enjoyable. The only thing is yeah. this. And, and they're all killers. And if you aren't a killer, but it's also chicken or the egg kind of stuff too, because as I've said about Aaron Rodgers, and you could say it positively or negatively, like how's Joe Burrow do it? Like we just had on extra points, Austin Eckler. And I'm talking to, and I, and I say to Eckler, like, what's it like, in the huddle when Joe Burrow, I mean, when uh, Justin Herbert is converting long fourth down after long fourth down with the season on the line, is there a sense of nerves? Like, are you saying like, I can't believe this is happening. But of course, Joe Burrow, like, how does he do it? Go into Arrowhead and do that. It's like, it's repeated uh, validation in that spot. That's how, like, that's why I, I would cry. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Like, but Burrow keeps doing it. And Aaron Rodgers, like, how, where does he get off talking that way? He's an insulated multimillionaire who's yeah. successful and writes his own ticket. Now imagine that at the billionaire level. Yeah. Do you Put think those guys zero. think they're wrong about anything? Yeah. Of course, they don't think they're wrong about anything. But next, uh, oh, by the way, but before we, because I, I do want to talk about the Giants thing, the solution that started out as half a joke, I am now 99% serious about. And I think I can actually eliminate the player level concern. The actual solution, if you don't want tanking, and it's not just football, it is the loser bowl. All the sports should do it. It would eliminate tanking in all the sports. I think we've had our fun with uh, with the NBA uh, front office guys pulling the cards out and whatever. That's a fun. That was a fun little thing. But it's come and gone. It's not fun anymore to watch that or that enjoyable. It's the loser bowl. The two worst teams play each other. And if you want to have a tournament of four, even better in basketball or whatever. And the winner gets the first overall pick in the draft. And the pushback I get is two. One, players wouldn't do it. Who, who would ever do that? You know how you make that right? You pay them to play in it like you would any other 
postseason game. Yeah, it's a playoff game. It's a playoff right. game. So the Lions and Jags, but that would be a humiliation. Okay, well then don't stink. What do you want me to tell you? Like that's that. Well, then the other legitimate concern that when I first floated this to Peter King fit, name drop 15, 20 years ago, his immediate pushback was like, but what do you do if you're the head coach and your quarterback you're looking to replace? He's the weak link of your team, and that's why you're in this game. Like, what are you supposed to do? He doesn't want to have a good game because he's then playing to replace himself. Like, I don't know. What's the solution if you're a team that likes playing on the fast track and in a dome and you have to go play in two-degree weather? Like, deal with it, coach. That's part of your job as a head coach to work your way around that. There's This is a flawless idea. It's time has come. This is how we solve tanking and we move forward. Is there any issue you can see, Hench, before we move I on just, to the I just, you giant? know, I, you know, tanking obviously got so bad in basketball, you know, and the and the stakes were so high. To your Lemieux point, you know, because an individual can transform your basketball franchise or your hockey team in a way, you know, I mean, occasionally a generational talent will come along in football, but so so they had to go to the lottery. And the lottery is kind of a bummer because then you get a team that's like doesn't deserve the that shouldn't get the number one overall right. pick. Like that's not really a solution. So I'm not I don't think we need to our earlier conversation. I don't think we need to address on field tanking like these teams are trying to tank. It's you know, it's more the roster disparity. So while I love your idea for the sheer enjoyment of it. Um, I don't think that that part of Flores's complaint uh, is is as valid as the um, the sort of institutional fuck offness of the Rooney rule. Yeah, but I, I just wanted to bring up my my gangbusters idea. I liked and it. This was a good your, all your ideas are great, and the Thank fifteen you. minute overtime in the playoffs obviously is that's a good one. That's got to happen this winter. Thank you. Um, by the way, let's interrupt the Flora serious chatter. We will get to the Giants because I want to let Spaghetti speak his piece and defend uh, the Mara family because I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you're chomping at the bit to do exactly that. Quickly, have you guys had a chance? Hard detour because the Super Bowl is coming and it's I know. it really is obscured and weird. Um, the Bengals plus four and a half. I predicted on Sunday night. Rams laying three. This has now gotten a little out of hand to me. I get the practical mismatch at the line of scrimmage, but and the Rams is far superior to what the Chiefs have, no matter how much people um, convince themselves that this Chiefs defense had been transformed. I kept telling you that it was not transformed. They were playing bum teams, and when they got a good team, they they you saw what they were. You saw them against the Chargers late in the season. You saw them against the Bengals late in the season. What did you think was happening? You saw the Bills do it. I'm like, well, Burrow's in trouble against that Chiefs. Oh, that pass rate. Like, really? Then why why didn't it uh, ding the other great quarterbacks when they face it? Anyway, I think that number's a little high. I'm going to wait a week. I, I don't see any reason to jump in. Maybe that number will get tagged uh, tugged uh, closer. To even, and then I'll be sorry I didn't jump. Well, look, the only the only reason to not wait is if you like the price now, and uh, yeah, I think where we're all going to end up next week, so we might as well say it now is that number's too high. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, so you so you agree totally, with that? Okay, totally. Sal kind of was like, oh, I think that's about right. I, I, I don't. I mean, look, I you know we obviously watched both games and. uh 
you know, you're down 21-3 to the prohibitive favorites and to your you guys both, you know, have have been high on Burrow and you're like the guy doesn't blink and he just play, you know, he just plays lights out and I also thought it would be 3 um and and I'm surprised by the four and a half. Burrow's great. He's great. He's great. And uh, and those three receivers, as the Chiefs found out, pick your poison. Um, now is is uh, the tight end playing? Is Usama playing? I don't know, but you know it's funny. I I threw this out from a pigskin, you know, from an X and O standpoint, and haven't gotten a good, have haven't really gotten any meaningful pushback on this. I wonder if Uzama's injury weirdly benefited the Bengals because now you're not running a, an extra pass catcher out. Um, and instead Uzama's backup is probably held in line more. Now I haven't gone back to, I'm not going to actually do any homework to, to check whether or not I'm right, but it seems to me you didn't see a lot of tight ends in orange running free uh, in arrowhead. I think they kept the backup tight end in line more to block and probably help burrow. I mean, it, it, the big takeaway is, from championship some of the big takeaways for me are in the short term if I would have told you last week like oh yeah the Chiefs will get Burrow once and and the Bengals will get to Mahomes four times and by the way the poop the bed potential really played out didn't it um Mahomes when he gets some pressure he tries to do too much he almost fumbled the game away in regulation before the game time field goal. And then he did throw the ball right into Eli Apple's hands in overtime. If he had gotten pick six there. Well, I, again, I think the chiefs have kind of benefited from all this other off the field stuff that's happened this week. Cause if we were just talking about football games right now, I don't think it would be so much a celebration of Stafford and the Rams or look at Joe Burr. I think it'd be like, what the hell happened in the second half? Well, Mahomes, you're supposed I mean, to be the best of all time. Or we've already elevated you to that conversation on Brady and Montana level. You pooped the bed bad, man. Real bad. So he was he started 13 of 14 for 154 yards and three touchdowns, right? That's that's 21-3. And the game's over, right? Because you're like the no matter what you're doing on offense you're just not going to get a ton of stops against the Chiefs. So, like, you're like, you can start to score, but they're definitely going to continue scoring. And then, I mean, this happens in sports. You know, a puck goes in off a skate, and, like, everything changes. Like, you're getting completely dominated, and you go to dump the puck, and it hits the board, and it goes in the net. Like, suddenly the game is transformed. The end of that first half, it was like a fucking karmic tear in the curtain where, you know, because I always say when we're arguing about the Chiefs, I always go, well, they're not going to do their their sweet Georgia Brown, Harlem Globetrotters bullshit in a playoff game. And then against the Bills, they put the backup tight end under center and he runs an option, a huge play. The tight end is running with the ball and pitching it. Like, you're like, what are you doing? Number 15 is lined up wide as a decoy. It's insane. And so, I, I mean, I've obviously been burned by this as somebody who took the Chiefs um, and, and lost the money. But so they they come up, you know, they get the first and goal on the, on the pass interference. But uh, Mahomes is like, he's still in fuck around mode. He's like, you know, he throws the ball to a receiver who's not in the end zone. 
I know, I I know, and I've argued, and obviously that's true that he should that that it should have been in a spot where if Hill drops it or 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 catches it and doesn't get in the end zone, he steps out of bounds so they can kick the field goal. I don't know, just it felt to me in the moment, and I agree with you that it felt like Ooh, this is now the Bengals are in this game now they have a shot because they didn't get it there. But I also thought the play call first of all, I liked them going for it there. And two, I thought the play call made all the sense in the world. 2020 hindsight, but you give the ball to Tyreek Hill at the one-yard line and assume in space he's going to be able to whip his guy in front of him. I just just thought, okay, that makes sense. I I would say, you know, and they've done it a million times, you know, the little Tyreek Hill out for the first down, you know, run it to the the pylon, but he just has to be six inches inside the end zone so that that when it's incomplete – you you either kick a field goal or 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 run an off tackle. You do whatever you know on the you know. But like and then and then not. I didn't think because maybe because it went right to halftime. But like Mahomes is doing the Tom Brady fifth down thing, right? He's he's making the timeout gesture. Like does he not know that they burned one? Uh, on the challenge, which was confusing because like that was a huge moment that people have largely overlooked that Reed's challenge on the first possession made it so that they didn't get the three. But either way, so you get into the second half with it. And I thought the same as you like Bengals really have a shot here. But then Mahomes throws a, a pick and the Bengals are around like, oh, if they get a, if they get a touchdown here, like, wow, this is now we got a real game. And then they weren't doing it. It was like, ah. Bengals are letting the Chiefs off the hook for their mistakes. And they it didn't feel like what a this didn't feel like Frank Reich against the Oilers. It wasn't like this is a furious rally. It was like, no, boy, the Chiefs it, are just letting them hang around and hang around. They're was, trying to give was, it away. It was Mahomes shitting the bet. That's right, exactly, exactly what it was. He right. goes, so he starts 13 for 14. So that means he closes 13 for 26 with two picks. Like He's terrible. He's terrible from that moment. And so then you go, well, how is this possible? He's just shredded them. Did they did they make some uh, personnel change? Did they make some approach? Did they change what they were doing? Or as we kept texting and arguing, like, did this guy hit his head? Like, did something happen? Because remember when they would zoom in on him on the sideline and he wasn't on the iPad or talking to anybody? He just looked completely checked out kind of staring off into the distance like maybe the hunt he, maybe the hunt representative was like hey coach reed maybe our team doesn't have a good second half today you know what i mean <laughs> no we need to win this one mr hunt um, what a bad one that was a, that was a stinker and by the way the other big reaction is talk about if you fell into a coma one year ago and i told you or like on at the draft if I would have said, hey, you know what? The San Francisco 49ers are in line to get to the Super Bowl here. You would be like, boy, that Trey Lance deal sure paid off. Like, no, no, he will have zero impact on the season. And now, so what do you do about Jimmy G? And and, and so Jimmy G, you know, was, was sort of the collateral damage of Belichick arguing with Brady. So to steer it back to, to, to the GOAT and all that. One, first question for you, Kevin Hedge. Would you be stunned if Tom Brady, or do you hope even that he decides early summertime? You know what? I don't like sitting around the house so much. 
Hey, 49ers, how about how, how about you let me live out my dream? It's the one thing I haven't gotten to do. Or what, what would you say if he decided, I want to go to Foxborough, Mac Jones can take a season off. Would you like either one of those scenarios? Well, I, I obviously the Foxborough, they're both, you know, very fanciful. Uh, the Foxborough one, I think more so than going home. Uh, I, you know, I mean, obviously I, I, I didn't think he was going to retire, but like if, what you know, Brady always wanted was was pieces. I want I want players, and that Niners roster is loaded. Oh my God! If they'd had an above average quarterback, they'd be you know they'd be in the Super Bowl. I mean, Jimmy G has one of the. You talk about Mahomes' collapse, which we we should talk about uh, a lot. But like Jimmy G's last six passes, one for six for minus two yards with a pick, like just a, a crazy uh, head first into the wall. Um, do you think that they do as far as that goes, do you think Lynch and Shanahan right now are secretly, if you hooked them up to a lie detector, like we don't know exactly what Trey Lance is going to be, but that would have been a headache. If Jimmy G has us in the Super Bowl right now, like we can't purge his $25 million. Like we can't let him go. If he takes us to the Super Bowl, right. They could, you wouldn't be able to sell that to, to the 49ers fan base. I don't think. Yeah. There, there. John Lynch wouldn't have been able to like enough tweets in church to settle that problem. That would have, but you know, but looking at that roster and going, we had the third pick in the draft. They could have had Jamar Chase, right? Exactly. They could have had Micah Parsons. Like, what? To pick your pick your dominant player that went at you know after the third pick. They could have had. They got zero. They got zero out of the third pick, and they they came within. Uh, uh, you it's know, a it's funny. Minutes. It's funny because just as the Packers have kind of put themselves potentially or or their quarterback has put the franchise in the same spot it was in, um, what, uh, you know, 12, 15 years ago, same thing like now I, I think I'm going to move on and there's a guy waiting behind me and all that mess. Now the Niners are in the exact same boat of they almost get to the Super Bowl and the quarterback is okay. It's Alex Smith, but we got the kid who's electric waiting behind them. And midseason, do you move on? And I like the same thing with that 49ers team a decade ago that, you know, what was the guy's name? Kyle, um, who the ball hit? Kyle Williams, was it? Who hit the, you know, fumbled oh, two punts against the Giants. Um, if they go to the Super Bowl, I don't know that Colin Kaepernick ever happens for the 49ers, or at least th- during that season that they wind up in the Super Bowl with Kaepernick under center. Um, because can you do that? But okay, next question now. Hold on, you. hold on. Go. Because I gotta I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I go gotta ahead. answer your original question. Um, you know, wh- Brady is the GOAT because Brady's favorite thing in life is to watch game film. So he's, so Brady, I think the reason to my comment last week, the reason most players get three months at home and then go, um, I'm coming out of retirement. This is a nightmare. Uh, I'm sure 90, 90% of it is, um, uh, I've lost my built-in alibi for tomcatting and doing whatever I want to do. Like I'm not around. I'm like it's you know 
baseball season, these seasons are long and you're not expected to be around. And you can always say, you know, practice. We we, we ran game film till 1 a.m. Brady actually is watching game film. If Brady's at the facility, like (laughs) Brady says to Giselle, hey, man, I'm sorry, honey. I was at the facility watching game film and he's actually at the facility watching game film. (laughs) It's so true. I always (laughs) he's the opposite of like. That guy's still in the NBA? I mean, he used to get meaningful uh, minutes for that contender. He's the last guy on the bench. Like, I haven't seen him actually play in a game in about four years. Why is he still there? Oh, yeah, it must be fun being out on the road. I think there's probably more to it. I don't think they love practice that much. So, yeah, so, you know, Brett Favre is, like, going to unretire. He's not – He's not at the facility breaking down game film at 1 a.m. But so to your question, even with something as enticing as the Niner quarterback job, oh my God, you know, the, you know, it's funny. Ayuk and Jennings are are on their way up, and Debo and Kittle are already incredible. Like that is such a stacked offense. But I genuinely think that Oshuck's dope is going to be happy at home. I don't think he's going to lose his mind. I think, you know, I think he's, I do think he's just in a spiritual place where he won't be, because, you know, he wasn't doing what Rod Stewart called the things that keep a young man alive. He was just watching game film. So I don't think he's going to unretire. I bet supported by his teammates. And it is worth noting when there are so many shit bags in the world of sports and in the world period that I, for to his credit, some TB12 stuff, like it was a little weird that I had to go to the facility. Never heard a bad word about that guy. Everybody loved him at every level. The special teamer who was there for the short term, the guys who played with him forever. Everybody says, oh, well, the best. He's he's the best guy. And that's that's But he didn't thank us in his Instagram post. Oh, I get, I get it. It's insane. It's not insane. Of course. No, it's so insane it's- that people are upset. It's upset. It's insane that people think they were owed. They were owed something. But I, 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 people delude. I mean, how many? How long you've been watching sports? We all delude ourselves that these guys care about our city. Like they're doing it for the best fans in the world. Like they don't, as though they really, as though that's what is motivating them. Um, their hey, loyalty so, to our town. It's a, you know, it's of funny. course we think that. And I do want to get I want to get spaghetti in here on the Giants in a second. I do too, but quickly. I want to do this last point. Hold okay. on. So I don't know if you remember that. I'm sure you remember it because you probably were there and covering it. But so Russell Wilson wins the first Super Bowl. You know, uh, no thanks to him really. It didn't just the Legion of, Legion of Boom just destroys the Broncos. And then Russell Wilson is interviewed and he does uh, that that thing that the that the that LeBron did in South Beach where it's like, oh, we're not satisfied with one Super Bowl. We're going to win two Super Bowls. We're going to win three Super Bowls. He just starts rattling. I don't know. How, he, I don't know if he got up to seven. I don't know how high his delusional number got, but it was like, um, you're holding steady at just that one now, Russ. Yeah. And the dream's over maybe in Seattle. So, and, and part of the reason that you're at one Super Bowl is because you, Russell Wilson, threw the ball to Malcolm Butler. This isn't like, Wow, it's so hard to stay on top. Like you made a terrible play in the Super Bowl that cost your team the Super Bowl. Mahomes, so like obviously I look at Tom Brady as he's he's putting the four-minute mile, 
the the you know he's he's the the heavyweight champ uh and then you know go ahead guys all you young turks who who think you're going to start stacking them up my number is 7 and feel free to try to reel me in so now we all know who the heir apparent is like rogers is never going to get there rogers is still stuck on one but oh my god number 15 in kc he's already got the one he's favored to get number 2 He's, you know, he's at the peak of his powers. Oh, but he didn't get number two. Why? Because he was terrible. He was terrible. That's why they lost. And like, you know, if you look at Brady's career, um, like if you look at his performance against the Eagles in the Super Bowl, it's like, how often was Brady the problem? Like Mahomes was the problem. Mahomes is why you lost. You sucked. Okay. So you're stuck on one. Uh, get back to us when you get to four or five. Okay, you're on one, and and with Russ and Rogers, a lot of guys stuck on one. Brady's at seven. Seven. It is amazing, and I go. I as I've said before, Super Bowl forty nine to me his greatest performance. But I think number two is still not even the Falcons rally. It is the performance against the Eagles thrown for five hundred yards. That was a very mediocre roster that Brady dragged to that Super Bowl there. I think that's number one. But where Russ is concerned in Rodgers, they're the two big ticket free agent, or not free agent QBs, but QBs that are apparently going to be available this offseason for teams to go and get. Does either one of those guys have the balls to say, I want to go to Tampa Bay? I say no. There's no way Aaron Rodgers, critical thinker, does his own research. Here's how you can research how you compare to the GOAT Aaron Rodgers. Go where he just left. Let's see how you do to Hench's point there. Let's see how you do. Would Russell Wilson really look at it? I wonder if, like, as I say, they, they, they think differently, but does Russell Wilson look at that in strict football terms and go like, ooh, Mike Evans? Oh, can you get Chris Godwin? Because now I'm real interested if you can make that with that defense and everything else. I suspect that they know that it would lay bare how far off they are from 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 well, the goat, and I, would, I think they want to go anywhere but there. I think Russ wants to go to the Giants because now he's a transformational guy. He gets to play hero if he goes to the Giants. That's the smart move. That's the way Vane Dave thinks. I would never want to go somewhere where it's like, can you keep up our high end standard? Like, nope, probably I can't. But I might go somewhere and do something pretty good, and then I'll be a hero for all the time for having done it that way, right? Well, it's interesting because, you know, obviously all the Denver talk uh, uh, for Rogers destination and, you know, Hackett's in place. But what are the, so Mahomes gets to the top of the mountain very quickly. And, you know, we're watching this one once a generation talent. And then so it was like, well, the AFC is going to go through Mahomes. And then Herbert came on the scene and you're like, oh, that AFC West is those two guys. That's a nightmare. Josh Allen took it to another level this year, and none of those three guys are in the Super Bowl because this fourth motherfucker, Joe Burrow, outplayed them all. So if you're if you're doing your valedictory tour like you're Rodgers or you're trying to get back uh, into the winner's circle like Russell Wilson, um, the AFC can't even be a consideration. Like it I think that's be- exactly right. I think if you're smart, if you're like I said for as like I've said for the full season here. 
The thing that people forget is as they try to discredit Brady, is like, man, he was a passenger. Did you see Devin White in that Super Bowl? And did you see how got like the difference was Mike Evans and they, oh, they really hit on those offensive linemen and all that guys? Yeah, that's that was part of the 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 genius uh, of Brady. He divined that that was the best spot to go in the Lombardi. Does Rodgers or does Russ Wilson possess that same instinct? I don't know if they do. If they're smart. You stay in the NFC, either with your current team or you find another team because the the cupboard is just about bare. I mean, it's the Cowboys. Um, you know, who presents as a as a super scary QB right now? Like, don't go, don't go to the AFC if, if it's about winning a Lombardi, Russ or, or Rogers, because it's gonna be a really rugged path to get there. Especially I mean, you didn't even mention Mason Rudolph. So, but if Roger, I mean, if either of those guys went to the Niners, they would they would be the prohibitive favorite to win the NFC. I would by a so. lot. Right, right. But now the Niners are in a funny spot where they have to run it back. With they have to go Trey Lance here. It really makes no sense. And do the Packers to make things nice with Rodgers? Do they deal away Jordan Love? And I suspect, like I keep saying, I think they know Jordan Love isn't going to be the answer. And that's why they're holding on well, to Rodgers like grim death, even though Packers fans are like, hey, he hasn't won a – it's fun, but he hasn't won a Super Bowl in 11 years. We haven't been to a Super Bowl with him. He's not the answer. It's fun, but it's but we're not doing uh, any better than than the Arizona Cardinals are in terms of winning well, Lombardi. Obviously, the, like the verdict – you can't say the verdict is in on Trey Lance, although they, they were seeing whatever they saw in practice every week. Um, but I – it did make me laugh. I know there's a big difference between the third overall pick and a second round pick, but it was making me laugh when the uh, the Tampa Bay GM said he's like, "Hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna flip over every stone trying to find a quarterback." Kyle Trask is like, I, "I'm right here. You drafted me. I'm I'm actually in the building. We're gonna look everywhere. We'll <laughs> find a quarterback, no matter where we have to. I'm in the weight room. Hey, coach, remember you told me I had to work on." My found <laughs> platform, and I'm working on it. Like, we'll find one. If we, to to if we have to find a kid who's never played organized football, we will find a quarterback. Kyle Trask is like, so you don't? I'm not a big part of your future, or like, <laughs> what about what about Mason Rudolph? <laughs> all the years he's been there, and now all these images from all the Mike Tomlin and the entire staff, like. They really like Malik Willis. They really like this. They're meeting with every QB there. They're having uh, breakout well, conversations with all these guys. Like Mason Rudolph, like, but I thought that you guys said that I Look, was going to be. Even even Mason Rudolph has seen enough Mason Rudolph <laughs> to know he's not going to ever be the answer to anything except how do you tie the Detroit Lions at home. It is so, the best. Okay. But, but Kyle Trask, he's like – the only people who have seen me bounce passes are my coaching staff. And now everybody knows I'm never going to be an NFL quarterback. All right. Got to work in a quick break. Greatest offseason. This is the greatest offseason. I'm saying it here. I'm calling the shot. We've had some fun football offseasons. This has to be the best. Rodgers, Russ, Derek Carr, Jameis. Where's is Russ going to go to the Giants? I think he is. I do. I, I the to finish up just some some quick some some early um, Super Bowl props and such. One, 
Is this the greatest nine versus nine same QB uniform matchup in history? Breeze and Romo played each other a couple few times in their careers. But Stafford and Burrow, both wearing the number nine in the Super Bowl, greatest stakes. I think it's the greatest 9v9 matchup ever, right? We agree on that, fellas? Uh, well, let's see. Joe Pisarczyk. Oh, look who's to... ready to play. Look who's ready to <laughs> dance today. Ready. <laughs> okay. Uh, my favorite prop out there right now is, because you know I love, I love the exotic safety call. Plus 960 that there is a safety in Super Bowl 56. I say bet that at fanduel.com slash minus three. I think that's a fun one. I mean, that's alive because you're alive now for 60 full minutes. And, of course, you mentioned that Russ v. Payton Super Bowl. That one starts with a safety. One of my favorite things, one of my famous oddball things in Super Bowl history is imagine you're watching the big game, the most important game on uh, the face of sports uh, of the sports uh, globe. And it goes to the half as it did in Super Bowl nine in New Orleans to nothing. <laughs> if that's a halftime score, the Super Bowl, it's two zero. Well, I'm rooting I, for a safety. That's a that. fun one to bet on. And like I say, it's a live, literally the whole game, the last play, the team that with the lead might be like, we're up four. We can take a safety here. Well, that's how we'll do it. And the guy, the punter or whatever runs out of the back of the end zone. It's a live the well, entire game. So I, I like that bet. And, you know, part of the, you know, like whatever we throw out there, you have to say those guys made sense. So those guys are full of shit before you, you fade us or you, you, you go with us. But what's, if you're actually thinking about this, Hecker, excellent. I mean, the, 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 uh, the where's the ball going to start part of this prop bet, right? Where and and uh, Jimmy G was starting in the shadow of his goalpost several times last week, so that's mm. big. Then you go, okay, Burrow stayed upright against the Chiefs, but is the Rams defensive line more like the Titans defensive line? So now you're now you're in that situation where and Burrow gets have, sacked a lot because he yeah. tries to extend plays and he runs and he takes super deep drops as he does so I don't serpentine he, I, thing. My guess is on is on props like this. You know, Vegas obviously just wants action. I don't think there actually could be a well, these two teams maybe, you know, like it, it's just a number that 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 they think they'll make money on. Uh, because it won't come in and they won't have to pay that plus 960. But I like it. Uh, that's a nice return. I like it for those reasons. Bengals in the shadow of their goalpost, Aaron Donald and Von Miller meeting at uh, at Joe Burrow. Let's do this, everybody. And, and we can dispense with, uh, after the game, we'll talk with the fact that it's weird that they didn't have enough words in the – um, football, the great dictionary of football that that whoever put that thing together didn't come up with a different name for the position of safety, which makes sense that a safety is your last line of defense, a safety against a touchdown, but it is not safe to get tackled in your own end zone by a 300-pound person. It's the opposite uh, of safe, but we'll dispense with that. Bet with us, and by the way, FanDuel is bringing Super Bowl bingo to your Super Bowl party as well. And if it doesn't matter if you're it doesn't matter if you're watching the game with hardcore fans or someone who's just there to watch the commercial Super Bowl bingo is perfect for everyone and it's absolutely free to play. Here's how it works. You go and you get your free card at fanduel.com 
or on the FanDuel app that on game day is Super Bowl and pop culture moments happen on your card, your squares fill up automatically. And if you get five squares in a row, all you have to do is press bingo to win a share of $100,000 in prizes. FanDuel, the exclusive home of Super Bowl bingo. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, of course. Like I say, all the fun prop bets available to review. FanDuel.com. Bet with us on the safety. It sounds like we're all three in lockstep. Right now, the good bet is Bengals plus four and a half. Nay, even better. Bet them on the money line and make sure you do it. FanDuel.com. Joe Burrow plus 200 MVP. Uh, I was going to throw this out real quick. Uh, For some reason, the Nets are still the favorite to win the Eastern Conference. That's weird. They're only plus 150. The Bucks, defending champion Bucks, are plus two hundred. The Miami Heat are plus four twenty-five. That number is absurd. That is such a good value because uh, everyone's assuming, like, well, if the Nets get healthy, well, that seems like a much less likely proposition than if the Heat get healthy. Like, if the Heat have all their guys, you're getting plus four twenty-five. Uh, uh, you know, against either of those teams. Miami Heat to win the East plus four twenty five. That's my non football uh, bet of the of the. Let me let me give you some some nice validation here. I talked to Larry Sanders, not the fictional um, late night host whose real actor is no longer with us. Nay, the NBA guy played with the Bucks. I said, "Who's the who's who's the value pick out of the East to get to the finals this year?" Larry Sanders. He said the Miami Heat, Kevin Hedge. He said not the Celtics. He said forget about the Celtics. They're not going to come together this no, year. Uh, I can attest to that. He, Larry Sanders is right uh, that the same formula that got the Heat to the finals in the bubble year. Right. You know, Bam Amadeo and Jimmy Butler are great defenders. And then Tyler Heroes take, made a leap. They still have all the shooters. Like, I don't know what th- those numbers make no sense. Plus 425 on the Miami Heat. Okay, well, we got to hear from Spaghetti on this. Okay, we do. I know he has a prop. Make sure you're betting all these props with us. FanDuel.com slash Mike. <laughs> Give us a Super Bowl prop there, Spaghetti, or something different if you wish. Uh, there's there's one in FanDuel I find very interesting. Um, but Better I, not I, be I about look- the Rangers, though. No, no, no. no. I, I don't want to hear about them. I was looking for a Super Bowl. I want to see if you guys saw me in this because we've seen a lot of trick plays, and I'm not sure if FanDuel has this. But I, for some reason, I feel like Odell Beckham's going to throw a pass. And this is I'm stealing from my buddy Joey Cowles. He said he wanted to see there's a profit for Odell Beckham to throw a touchdown pass. I could see a play where they throw a screen pass, and Odell has from the ball a bunch in his career. I could definitely see that, like McVay whipping out to catch the uh, the Bengals off guard. But the the profit that I find really interesting is uh, the Matt Stafford interception. It's funny that Burrow is to throw one Burrow is minus three uh, minus minus one thirty two, and Stafford is minus one forty eight. I, I think Matt Stafford's prone to interceptions and I could see him throwing one in this game. So if you want a passing prop, I like Stafford to throw an interception in the Super Bowl. I think pair them up. Maybe they both will. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can find – I think I saw that uh, just before we got going here. Maybe not specific to Odell, but I think you can bet a non-QB throws a a touchdown pass somewhere along the way. But, anyhow, make sure you do it, FanDuel.com. And, uh, all right, let's wrap it up here, fellas. Um, So much to talk about. We had a a fun text chain talking about – 
NHL players who elevated for one season or one postseason. We'll do that because we have a lot of runway um, to get into to those fun discussions. But there are some fun anomalies like Brady Anderson hitting 50 home runs in one major league season. There are a lot of those at hockey. We'll dig in on those um, down the line. But uh, let's let's do this because I know Spaghetti, you're chomping at the bit. Flores says, and it plays out like the chronology seems to support Belichick who people are asking like, why, why would he know what the giants are doing? Well, he's tied into them. And and I, I feel like if he were ever going to leave the Patriots, that it would have been to, to go to the giants. Um, but he gets confused by which Brian he's talking to turquoise, Brian, or, uh, or, or red, white, and blue Brian. And the chronology is, is black and white there. It, pun not intended. Um, so spaghetti, how do you reconcile that that the Giants didn't basically use Flores as as a guy like, well, we have to satisfy the Rooney rule, even though we already know what we're going to do. So let's just use Brian Flores to satisfy that. I, I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty of reasons why. I mean, number one for the Rooney rule, they also brought in Leslie uh, Frazier. So I mean, they had other black candidates uh, for it. and Les and uh, Patrick Graham is not a Rooney rule, but they also so they the Giants who enforced the Rooney rule and actually made it to you have to interview two candidates. John Mara was part of that. So I, I to start with the date order, Joe Judge was fired on January 11th. That day, that same day, they like the the Giants director of player personnel reached out to Brian Flores on January 11th before they even hired Joe Shane, like weeks before they hired Joe Shane. So right off the bat, when, when Flores was available, the giants made it known like, Hey, we're interested in you that day. John Mara was like, I want to speak to you the next day. They had a phone call and, and he, and John Mara himself directly called uh, Brian Flores and was like, we are interested in you as having his head coach. The January 18th, Flores and Mara had a separate Zoom meeting again, another follow-up meeting. Again, this is before Joe Shane was even hired and before any connection to the Buffalo Bills. So when Joe Shane was hired the 23rd, he also had a, a meeting with Brian Flores. They had a dinner, I believe, the next day. And that's when uh, the, the 24th is when I believe the Bill Belichick text came and said that the, you know, that, that we think we're going to hire you. So if you to me, like the Belichick text doesn't really prove anything like there's no if, if Flores is complaining the Giants used him just as like a you know whatever interview because they always knew all along they were going to hire Brian Dable it doesn't add up with the the facts that are in the 58 page uh you know document that I did read a lot of because if it was known it was widely reported that John Marrow was all in on Brian Flores and he wanted him to be the head coach, which would have been the Giants way of old. It happens to be the year the Giants finally realized we have to hire people outside of the organization, which is why they brought in Joe Shane from Buffalo. And of course, there's going to be situations where people have a favorite candidate and Brian Dable was his friend and he was an offensive minded guy, which is also what the Giants needed. Now, like it, it was also reported by, I believe, Pat Leonard from the Daily News that was like, the Miami Dolphins may throw a, a bunch of money at Brian Dayball. And if that was the case, Brian Flores right now would be the head coach of the Giants. So if like that did happen, also the, the text from Belichick wouldn't even matter because, again, it was reported that John Marriott wanted him as head coach. I don't think like his interviews meant nothing if Mara had a phone call and a Zoom call with him before Joe Shane was even hired. So I, I, it doesn't add up. He was brought in to be a legitimate candidate. So I 
I like the only thing tying the Giants doing, doing wrong is a Belichick text mess up. And also, if it wasn't from somebody who was hiring power, which would either be Mara, you know, Steve Tisch, uh, maybe uh, McConnell, the director of player personnel. It doesn't like Joe Shane isn't calling Bill Belichick. And unless there's like hard proof that Mara is calling him, which I don't buy, I don't think it's happening in this in this stretch of time. Well, like, we know, but, but I mean, the pushback there is, is obvious. It's public information. They did hire Brian Dable. So it's, a, so he obviously did know that Belichick um, was, but, was I'm, right. but, I, but, I, but yeah, but so, but I, if, but Belichick texted him the 24th, a day after Joe Shane was hired. So I'm sure by then when Shane and, and Shane must've known that he was going to give, he was getting the full, control of which head coach he wanted to pick. Whereas John Mara in the old days, he would have picked Flores. Flores would have been a done deal before, uh, before like Dable was even a a factor. So I think if Belichick just heard from, you know, a scout, whoever who was like, Oh, I think they're going to hire Dable. Obviously the assistant general manager of the bills is here and the offensive coordinator, they want to hire him. Like that's, just hearsay and it's he heard a rumor but it, like the only way i could see this really being incriminating is if somebody with legitimate hiring power like told belichick but and it, i don't think they that, that wouldn't make sense because again why would mara be going through all this commotion with flores like a week and change before they even hired uh joe shane it just doesn't it does not make sense to me he my point is that brian flores was a legitimate candidate and it was reported by every giants guy that he was a legitimate candidate so much so that like the fan base is like why are we hiring a defensive guy when we need somebody offensive minded with the, one of the worst offenses in the league that being said i was totally fine with brian flores i think he's deserved a head coaching job i think he's done a great job in miami and like i was cool with it if he brought in some high-powered oc that's totally fine and i just i, I think what happened was Mara wanted him he says you know what it's you know new regime you can make the, the choice and joe shane brought in his guy but i think if there was i think it was only two legitimate candidates and i think one was dable and one was brian flores so i don't see how a, a text from belichick changes any of that well let me ask this cuz the you know obviously the timeline is relevant although I, the leslie fraser thing is interesting if the box was already checked so is is your understanding that, you know, the GM wants to hire the guy he thinks that's going to is best for the franchise. That's his job. Um, but there's so much heat around Dayball that if they wait for Flores to complete his in-person interview without letting Dayball know you're the guy, they're going to lose him. Like that that he's actively being receiving offers and his agent is like, hey, we're, we just got a five-year offer from the Dolphins. Where are you guys at? And then they go, well, we got to wait till the 27th to do this interview. And it's like, he's not going to be available. If that, makes that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So then they go, okay, well, listen, obviously between you, me, and uh, and Belichick, because we share everything with him, obviously. No. <laughs> so like, so he's partner. our guy. Just sit tight. And then Belichick, you know, they fucking made the mistake of putting a senile old man on the text chain. And he's like, hey, congratulations, buddy. By the way, when you do Corolla, you can point out that I bet in his phone, Brian comes up as bald Brian. He invented this thing of like, you're not going to be talking to Brian with hair because it's going to say bald Brian in your phone, not just black. No, bald Brian, Brian, white Brian. Bald Brian, the sidekick on the Corolla show, his nickname is owed to the fact that uh, I once said to him, 
um, at a bar when he was talking to a woman. I'm like, hey, Brian, you should tell her about the time you went bald. And then he became bald Brian. And it, it didn't work out that night for him with that uh, girl. But I'll say this about uh, about the Flores thing. Here, it comes down to this. I, you, Your chronology maybe lays out that it's like, it's like you know, we're going to offer our last scholarship to this guy, but if he doesn't take it, then we got to have somebody fill that that slot. So we're going to take the the three star kid out of there and make sure we have somebody good to go in case the the blue chipper signs at Bama, kind of kind of thing. I get all that. The bottom line, it I think that's what you're saying. Isn't no, it? I, I mean I'm not. I'm saying that Brian Flores was literally contacted the day Joe Judge was fired. So by I all hear you. Accounts, I'm saying, he, but they like they needed to have two options. But he was contacted before weeks before Joe Shane was hired. So like he was talked to before Brian Dable was even spoken to. Like, that's my point is that the my bottom line is to show my humanity, but sincerely, I think the thing is what it boils down to is, and, and, and that side may work itself out. And that's why ultimately I think that the stink is going to be way more on the dolphins organization for any, any of the Flores fallout than, than the giants. Cause it's murky. I just think people are tying themselves into knots about like, Hey, maybe they just thought Brian Dable was a better coach. Maybe it comes down to that, and it doesn't have it has on the merit of the coaching and all that. The bottom line is, as people try to work their way around this, is it would be an all-time sucktacious humiliation if you're Brian Flores for a guy who you look up to, who you know you learned at the knee of this all-time legend, for him to text you in that way. And and by the way, hey, congratulations, Brian Dable. Like, oh, you're like that with Brian Dable, too. It just is a gut punch on a human level. And, uh, you know, I, I, so I completely get Flores' motivation from that perspective. It would I, just, I, it, I agree with it. It's it's it. If you take out like any if you take out all the, all the stuff that, that Flores bring up and the other like just strictly in a vacuum, losing out in a job like I totally agree. It sucks, especially to find out that way. But I think like the crux of it is he's trying to say the Giants did not take him seriously. And I like vehemently disagree with that. I don't think there's any way he could prove the Giants didn't take him seriously, considering the fact that he was spoken to before Dable multiple times by the owner of the Giants. And again, if this was a year ago, he's probably the head coach. But because the, the Giants have been so bad since 2016, it's, they had to, they had to change it up. You know, I was like, if you look at this, this is like this stretch, uh, like two months where I've been obviously spaghetti nose. The Giants had three or zero points at halftime of every game. Like it was yeah. just shocking week in and week out. So it's interesting that Leslie Frazier and Brian Flores are candidates because Eric Bieniemy, like if you you have to hire an offensive coach. Like yeah. you just cannot it, it it we have to find out if Danny Dimes like you can't just muddle along with you know these these three points at halftime. So the the problem for Flores is is the only way to prove that you took my candidacy seriously to hire me. Is that the only evidence? And I think to Spaghetti's point uh, John Mara has a lot of evidence that 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 was not a sham, um, that we we really were interested in your candidacy. Um, I think the you know, I agree with Sheck that the the bigger, the harder explanations are going to have to happen down in Miami. Uh, you know, right. you, you, your team has sucked for 15 you years. Told, you encourage your coach to throw games like, no, no, no. I was just saying. 
Like, well, you're the owner of the team. You can't just say, like, I didn't mean it, which I don't know what Steven Ross's answer is going to be. You watch the way those Dolphins, you know, that that not very good roster. You go 19 and 14 with Fitzpatrick, Tua, and Brissett as your quarterbacks. I know, but people people are pulling up screen grabs of like, look, why did they run this defense in this spot in that game? And like, that's that's the stuff people are going to start really picking apart. Um, well, no, but you, you raise an interesting point, though, Hench. I don't know if you meant to make it, but if they wanted an offensive coach and they go get Brian Dable to do that because that's where they're going because they want to coach up Danny Dimes, I think that the actual offer is now, hey, Seahawks, we'll take Russ. You take Danny Dimes. He's a good transitional guy for you. Maybe it works out. You reboot with him. And you're on to your next air and nice and clean with a with a talented guy, high pedigree kid and Danny Dimes. It is a little weird. So wait, Leslie Frazier. So are you looking for an offensive coach or are you looking for a defensive coach? Because well, they Flores also interviewed and, and Dan Frazier Quinn. Won. Dan Quinn uh, and Arumo from Staten Island, who's on the the Bengals staff. They had they brought in a fair amount of defensive guys. It's but funny. I think I think if you put like with all the, the many times that Flores was contacted by the upper management of the Giants, I just think it definitely out like he outclassed every other DC. So I feel like for him to say he was an legitimate candidate and it was all a sham, I I just cannot buy because why hasn't Leslie Frazier said the same thing? Why didn't even Dan Quinn or Patrick Graham, who's on the roster, say the same uh, on the and the coaching staff say the same thing? He was contacted too many times, and it was reported by a lot. Of, like Pat Leonard, Daily News was like, uh, Flores is probably going to be the next head coach because you know it seems like that's what John Mara wants, and it's going to be his way. So I look. By the way, I, I agree is- with them, but it's 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 a tough spot for him. It's a terrible text to get from Belichick, but I just don't buy the Giants had any malicious intent with him. There's there's no Rooney rule in in my business. Um, you know, although there 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 is there are a lot of um, sincere moves to try to create a more equitable playing field in show business, but. One of the things that happens on every show all the time is you have an offer out to an actor. You want this actor. This is what I'm getting at, Spaghetti, right. You, you want the actor and the offer is out and the lawyers are arguing. You are still holding auditions. <laughs> so these poor, and every actor knows it. It's not, it wouldn't be a surprise. They all know that, you know, you're waiting to see if the A-lister will do it and that we're all your fallback. And, and so sometimes they go in, they nail it, they make everybody laugh, they're incredible, they walk to their car, and then they read in, on deadline, uh, they're, doing, they're going with Jamie Foxx. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's just, and so, I, I mean, I, it's, I do feel like the interest in, in Flores was sincere, and it was only this, I mean, obviously the, the text, but, you know, John Mara probably is unwilling to go, well, out of respect, scrub his interview. Like, how does that look? If you go uh, between the Zoom and the Leslie Frazier, we are covered on the Rooney rule. So um, out of respect, don't make this guy do it. They're both terrible options. You're exactly They're- right. It really is kind of like, and we'll leave it with this, but I, but I, it is kind of like, you know, police, like we got reports of noise and uh, at your door and like, is that a marijuana tree I see in your house, homeowner? Like that, I think that this is, I I think the florist thing, this is going to be a bad scandal for pro football, 
but I think what started it was something that I, I think I, I think we all three kind of agree. It's, well, what's it was crazy? a sequence of events that looks really ugly and it sucks on a human level. But I don't know that the Giants did something ultimately bad here. It just looks bad. But now that the police are at the door looking in like, oh, so this party isn't too loud. OK, but. I do see a rifle over there, and I don't think you're allowed to have that kind of rifle out in the open. Like, you know, I, I think well, it's, what's it's also nuts about this moment in time, and why I think you're right. This 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 should be bad for the NFL. Like, it's crazy that the Denny's placemat of NFL coaches right now looks like the uh, Barack Obama placemat. Like, it's like, you really have one, like, oh, oh, so the way, so the way the NFL honors the Rooney rule is the team, Rooney's team has a black coach and we're cool, that's it. And, and then like, it's such a perfect storm. You know, like if you're Goodell, who probably doesn't even know who's where, he's probably like, what? Well, isn't Raheem Morris, who, what? We have one, we have what, what? Like, it's so bad. Like, talk about evidence. You want evidence? Here's yeah, the right. evidence. There's right. one head coach. Like Precisely, yes. He has cast a light uh, even brighter than what was already a mess on, the, on pro football. But, all right, great show, fellas. Really good stuff from both of you. And uh, the stuff you can do, listener, is support us. FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus, the number three. Make sure you're checking out all the great stuff on the Extra Points Network from the Extra Point Show twice a week to uh, Waiver Wire to Megan Fun of Sports to Against All Odds, Lemon Pepper Parlay. Covering glory. Check them all out. You'll love them all. You have my uh, you have my promise on that. And if not, I'll give you your money back. For the great Kevin Hench and Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. We'll talk to you after the weekend. It's been a thin slice of heaven.